Hello. Hey, is this Matt? This is Matt. This this light. What are you doing? Yes, sir. Um, we're just gonna give a minute or two and uh, be able to get on Mr. Dugan and Mr. Dark. Cool, cool. So, how's your day been? Uh, my day, my day hasn't been too bad. Has not been too bad. Gentlemen, howdy, Mr. Dark. How you doing, brother? Excellent. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday to you. We're on the line with Mr. Matt. Hey, Dugan just joined us. Dugan, Dark, Hello. this is Welcome, Matt. Dugan. Thank Hi, you. Hi, Dark. Hey, Dugan. Hey, how are you? All right. I'm not dead yet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. I just want to read off his bio. Uh, I thought this was one of the most amazing bios I've re- ever read. That so shit was epic. Be- just to give everybody uh, on the podcast an idea and uh, refresh uh, Dugan's memory, his bio goes, born and raised in the foothill regions of the Appalachians called the Blue Ridge Mountains. Been shooting cans and anything that moves in the woods since I was a child. Can rain fire on target with a 22 LR over 100 yards, iron starts only. Play guitar better than Ted Nugent, but he sucks, so that ain't saying much. Forgiveness comes from God, not me. Fully aware where the world is headed and why. As an individual suffering from terminal poorness, I am a skilled auto mechanic and fabricator. I must repair or build anything I desire to have. College educated, with CNC, NC, and manual machinist. Professionally trained martial artist. Somewhat experienced hacker and computer programmer. I've designed my own video games, apps on a Linux computer since I can't afford to buy such exquisite luxuries. <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll end it right there. I mean, you know, does that pretty much uh, define you, my friend? Oh, I think we dropped uh, Mark. Yeah, that, that's pretty much me, though. Yeah, I've... Uh... I never really realized how poor I was until I had some family come down from up north and be like, hey, Matt, why don't you come to the city and live with us? That way you can have things. And I'm like, what the, What do you mean? I I, have, I do have things. I have everything I need. You know, yeah. I, yep. I didn't really understand. City mouse, country mouse. Yeah, pretty yep. much. Yeah, I've got lots of family in up, uh, up in Richmond area. But, uh, yeah, I've just made, made do with whatever I've whatever I've had. I've never really needed for anything. Yeah, a man doesn't need much when, you know, he lives off of what his means are, and he does the things that he truly desires, not the things that society has influenced him into saying that he needs. Yeah, I mean, I've always, we can cut back a lot. I would I've argue, always... Say, oh, say what? Nope, I'm interrupting. I got lag, so I'm interrupting. Go ahead. I've always had everything I needed, though. I've always had guns and guitars and vehicles and computers, and I just had to salvage the parts and slap it together myself, you know. Figure out how things work to make it happen. Heck, yeah. Although to be, what were you going to say, dude? I, although, to be fair, I, I feel like your your biography will be representative of a lot of people in your area, I would imagine, right? There's That's true. Yeah, most like people that. around here don't really... Yeah, most people around here are uh, more innovative than my, myself, actually. I know some very, very skilled people that uh, oh, yeah. just like me, they don't really realize how poor they are. You know, if you tell somebody in Appalachia, hey, why are you so poor? They're like, what are you talking about? 
I'm not poor. Because <laughs> <laughs> my truck belly runs. Or at least it runs, you know. Yeah, it's kind of like a, yep. it's kind of a misnomer almost if you think about it. Like if you took a guy, if you took a guy that had wealth and then you dropped him on an island, and you took a guy that had uh, experience and you dropped him on an island, it's you know like it's clear like I mean, now it depends. It depends on how the guy got wealth, right? If the guy's uh, like maneuvering against people to create wealth, then he's probably going to do pretty good. But if the guy is uh, like uh, handed wealth off of someone else's maneuvering, then he's not going to do that good on the The other guy's going to do a lot better, the guy with the experience. Yep. Yeah, experience goes a long way. Just knowing how to make things work, just not give up. Huge way. Huge. It's one of the things that they – it's one of the things that they've tried to put out of the uh, – young people's minds so like everything now is uh everything now is kind of like this game where you uh <laughs> like you do everything vicariously through the internet like through the uh the digital experience you know so people will read um you know they'll get interested in a topic read a ton about it but they won't put the mileage on their you know on their hands with it and then uh and then so they'll have tons of uh, theoretical knowledge but then you know, no application of, uh, like, you know, they won't live the life that they want to live. They'll just live it through the, uh, you know, the internet. And that's kind of like, I think you see that a lot everywhere. Like with the, uh, the and, internet. Operators. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Your knowledge is different. Just, just right. as one Your knowledge example. is different than experience. You can know everything, but if you don't have any experience doing it, making it real, living that then you, do you really know anything at all i guess it's kind of a tree falling in the woods kind of thing but i'll give an example like this um do you guys remember when like you were a kid like prior to getting into your first fight and you have this idea of how the fight <laughs> is going to take place you're thinking in your head you're like strategically i'm going to do this and when they do this i'm going to do this and then once you're going against the energy of someone else, it, it, you know, plan goes to shit. It's funny because Mike Tyson actually has a quote. He says, everyone's got a plan until yeah. they get punched <laughs> in the face. And, you know, until you get that, uh, that experience of actually, you know, working against uh, uh, energy, I mean, nothing can replace. Did you guys lose your first people. fight? <laughs> I lost my first fight. I got punched dead in the nose, and I pretty much gave up. I'm like, I can't see anything, and everything hurts, and everything's spinning. I'm good. <laughs> That's it. I, it was the first time I first time I ever got cut yeah. open, like on my face, you know. So it was like, and I was really young, so it was like, it was kind of, it was like, uh, like I was like excited, you know. I mean, at first I was really embarrassed to lose a fight. Then I was like, kind of like pumped up while the adrenaline like went away, and then when I realized that like I had a you know, like skin, like skin was open, you know, and I was kind of like, I've never had that before on my face. And then it kind of makes you feel kind of like sick. And then you got to go home and then your parents are just like very disappointed in you, you know, like <laughs> you try, you try to lie, you try to lie. And it's yeah. like, obviously like you just got your ass kicked. That's what happened. Yeah. Like, you're not, that happened like, you're, you're, you're a fight. Yeah, that, that happened yeah. to me. That's why my dad put me in martial arts class. I don't remember. My, my what were you going to say that? Yeah, say that again. Yeah, that, that happened to me a few times, getting my ass kicked a few times. Yeah, then my dad said, no, nope, not, not no more. You're going to learn martial arts, boy. And I had to learn martial arts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I heard you're a uh, black, yes, it's, black uh, belt. I wish I'd learned something else like jujitsu. Taekwondo is pretty good, but it's not the best thing. Um, any any martial arts? When did you start? Yeah. Say what? Sorry, dude. I, I said I apologize. The, uh, when did you start training? I, th- I was really young, like 14, 15 years old. Uh, like what decade? Uh, it was in the late 90s. So that was like that was really prior to uh, jujitsu exploding with uh, like post like the army adopting jujitsu and the uh, MMA uh, MMA go, like having the the original uh, UFC like that stuff hadn't really like they didn't people didn't really know about Gracie and shit back then and so it's like you know there was you know it's like well, which one do you want to do you know isn't that right. Yeah, I studied Taekwondo around that same time. I think, you know, mid uh, mid to late 90s and got my first series black belt, I think, when I was probably 16. And then I quit because I thought that that was the end, not the beginning. And it was the same thing Dugan was saying. Like, I don't remember anything else seeming available at, at that time aside from karate. Yeah, that yeah I I was lucky enough like to have uh, Hakido, um, which is basically like um, the Japanese jiu-jitsu um, or taekwondo kind of little thing. Uh, wasn't too bad. You got to learn a little bit of body manipulation. But uh, other than that, that's that's the most I studied when I was a kid for uh, martial arts. I recommend it for anyone. I mean, you can only shoot so many people before you run out of ammo. You have to start punching them eventually. Uh, yeah, for real. I don't know. Or choking. I'm a choke. See, I'm a, I'm a like, I mean, I'm a lot stronger now than when I was younger. Like when I was younger, I wasn't, you know, it hadn't occurred to me yet that like you can actually like, you know, train for like actual power and not, not just like fluff and you can get like strong as fuck. And like people just, they'll, they'll wrestle you. And if you get powerful enough, like they won't be able to keep you down. And then you just learn some, some choking and then, uh, that helps a little bit, but it's really, I mean, you're kind of just dancing with the devil, you know, like it's any man's game, really. It is. I try to yeah. avoid fights at all costs anyway. I mean, I'm a lover, not a fighter anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one, yeah, that's one, that's one thing I've realized as I've gotten older. I'm like, uh, I don't want to fight as much as I used to. Uh, I used to want to get into fights all the time. And, you know, my favorite thing was, straight punch to the nose, a hit to an open jaw, or a slap across the throat. Those were my, my three go-to moves. And if that didn't work, then it was just ground and pound Bro. after that. I was just choke from Army. Oh, like nice. The only thing that ever worked consistently consistently for me was just like, uh, like I, I'm going to lose unless I pretty much <laughs> choke you. And then if I get you in a choke... Like you're you're pretty much done unless you not unless I'm like unconscious or something like you're you're going unconscious. <laughs> you're gonna go spider monkey on their ass, right, dude? <laughs> but I mean, pretty much, it's my only chance. It's my only chance. So I got really good at it. Dude, that's awesome, um, man. Yeah, I I used to do the uh, the MMA uh, go to the MMA circuits here, like in Missouri, which is they're pretty small, and uh, but they are uh, enthusiastic, and. Man, that is just a rough man's sport. There is, I mean, I remember I went to one. They did a freestyle one. They had like a freestyle uh, match with, you know, which basically means like here's here's uh, Joe and Bob. And, uh, you know, it was basically like two, uh, two 
General Electric refrigerators just like punching each other in the face as hard as possible, like over and over and over again. They just, you know, like really impressing everybody with how much liquid their body holds in the form of blood, you know. And then neither one of them, neither one of them going down, like refusing to go down because they're both so fucking tough. And you're just like, my God, yeah, please, Lord, give them, give them relief. Let them just sit down. Yeah, let them punch each other till someone falls asleep. Well, well Mr. Matt, yeah. let's throw in, uh, you got a couple of bullet points that you wanted to write down. Um, Dugan, do you have any way that you want him to, to go off the bullet points? You want him to read them off or go with the, uh, the last I just, one first or just whatever. Go, follow, go. follow, follow your heart. I'm just, I gotta run a, I gotta run a heater in here. It's uh below freezing now. We're it's actually, here, so I apologize if there's any background it's noise. It's an F-16 engine, uh, but he's converted it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've been trying to build that hydrolysis machine. I have a working prototype. Jesus, that thing is good. You're building pyrolysis? Yeah. Uh, plastic pyrolysis? Yeah, man. You, oh, I've yeah. got a hooker, run some hoses out of it into an old inflatable tire, and i got a freeway valve, and it's I wish I knew what nice. stuff that I was making, though. I mean, I crammed some trash bags, oh. plastic bags in it, cooked it for about two hours. And yeah, and you got you, you got your oxygen cut off on there. I have no idea what I've got going. <laughs> oh yeah, so you gotta, so you gotta, Cliff. Do you have? Can you get that man the PDF? Right. Yes, I can. I'll send it to him. Uh, I'll send him it right after the podcast. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. So, so the general idea. So, what you gotta do. I'm assuming you're asking me what to do, right? Well, if you want to tell me, yeah. Okay, sure. So the so the so when you uh, when you when you release the different hydrocarbon chains out of plastic, you can choose what you're going to get. Um, like breakout, you're just you're you're breaking it out by thermal crack thermal cracking, and so the temperatures. I don't have them memorized, so you have to refer to the PDF. I'm assuming those PDFs have the temps in there, right? Because yeah. I have like. I have like ten PD. I have like ten PDFs, and I didn't look at which one I sent you guys. I just assume they have the all the temps in different there. Different times, different. Yeah, I have two. I have two different ones. It, it's the uh, Matt. It's the equivalent to like running a moonshine. Still, you have uh, you know certain temperature. You run your heads, your hearts, and the tails on, and it's pretty similar with the pyrolysis. Uh, we're at a certain temperature. You're able to break off this certain hydrocarbon string and at another temperature, this one and so on and so forth. Yeah. Now, further than that, further than that, you can. So depending on what you want to render, you can um, you can use catalytic cracking where you make, you know, now in industry, they use fancy stuff that's like, you know, designer <laughs> catalysts and stuff. You don't have to do that, though. You can find all kinds of, you know, they're, they're always elemental, you know, so it'll be like a metal and typically some kind of carbon uh, mixed together and they'll pass, they'll pass gas through it. So you make some kind of, uh, you know, you, you have to get creative with whatever your setup is and there's not really any rules because the only way that this has been done is like the, the uh, original way, which would have been from uh, um, like a process that was developed by uh, the, uh, uh, some some guys that they gave to Germany uh, for doing for doing biomass to fuel, and that's where it came, comes from. And the plastics didn't even really start coming out until after that. So like pla the plastic pyrolysis is like a subset, I guess, 
like a sub science or if you want to call it a science, it's a sub it's, it's like, like industry doesn't do plastic pyrolysis. Industry does um, methanol or what they call uh, like methanol in a, like VTX production off of uh, biomass, any, oh. any kind of biomass, Gla- grass clippings, leaves, all that stuff. Oh. Whereas pyrolysis is like more specific because you're going to be able to get your fuels really easily. And then your byproduct will be paraffin like typically a paraffin, a hydrocarbon paraffin wax, which then you can do like anything with wax, but it does have some, you know, petroleum in there, usually some hydrocarbon chains. So it's going to be a little bit more fuel heavy than your normal wax. <laughs> Not exactly uh, Vaseline, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But you can make, can- I mean, you can, I'm sure you can make hell of a candle out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't need a wick anymore. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching the podcast or the YouTube uh, streams, and I remember t- you talking about turning plastic into fuel, and I was like, "Hey, I can do that." So yeah, I, it's super simple. I, th- I tried to I build something uh, working. I guess the proof. So it should be. Oh. I don't have the PDF. Do, does any, do any of you other guys have the PDF with you at all? I, I do. I do have the PDF. I can, if you want, I can try to pull it up right now. I believe now. I could you. Find them. Could you check it in the background and just see if you can find like they should have like a list of temps. If we could just get like see if you can find, just browse it. See if you can find something for uh. Like, probably the most applicable one would be gas and diesel. So it's basically the temperature control. Yeah, it's temperature control. But your but your your vessel like so what you're cooking in right you're you're still it has to be enclosed from external air. So like. Right. When you cook it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to release gas inside of a closed vessel. You have an outlet valve, which is like your your uh, reflux, you know, like your runoff. And that's where all, you know, the gas will become so great that it'll be constant pressure out. And you're going to evacuate all any oxygen that's in there after you seal it. We're going to evacuate it really quick as, as, as soon as you start heating it. And then once it starts, um, you know, uh, what would you call that? Um deconstructing itself then then you'll start getting all this fuel out and then the idea would be like if you wanted to uh you're gonna get a lot of them in one string um particularly like if you're not controlling the temperature and it's fluctuating like it's getting hotter and hotter and then cooler yeah you're just gonna have all that stuff coming out so the way that they like the way the guys do that easily like in uh india and shit like that they'll uh they put a like a, a fractional distillation distillation catchers uh like the equivalent of like a water trap but it's just you know they have a pipe going down and i've seen them use fire extinguishers i've seen them use pipes whatever and they have it go into one and then into another and then another and those will each be different temperatures and then you automatically get some uh fractional distillation between each between each uh layer you know and then yeah, they put a little valve. My, my design has two water traps. I just copied a YouTube video design. Yeah. Uh, all I know is whatever it produces is extremely freaking flammable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I'm glad, I'm glad people are trying it already. Yeah, dude, it, look, that's, it looks like that's diesel. Awesome. It looks like diesel, but it smells like kerosene, but it burns like nitromethane or something. It's fucking crazy. You, you might have. You got seen. all three of them there, most likely. Yeah. <laughs> it probably is all three in one, huh? Because I'm not controlling it. Okay, I see. Work on the controls. So, I got uh, I got the PDF pulled up right uh, right now. 
I'm looking at one of them, and I'm trying to find the charts. It's kind of broken up in multiple charts for specific applications, uh, like rubbers, plastics, and stuff like that. So, Matt, at the end of this, uh, I'm going to send you uh, both of these links. Uh, one of them's like 800 pages. The other one's like 300. Um, there's a lot of uh, scientific jargon in here, but at the end of the day, um, you will have a lot of uh, real-world temperatures and times uh, to be able to go off of. Yeah, I'm not scared of scientific jargon. I just get tired of it after a while, you know. Life's, life's busy here and out here in the mountains, trying to, just trying to survive and make do. Heck yeah. Yeah. What's what? I got to say, uh, before we move on to another topic, um, I have been, since that day, we had that conversation about about paralysis and um, whatnot. Uh, Dugan and I were having a conversation, and I was like, "Man, my mindset of plastic has just yeah. completely oh, yeah. changed." I'm like running around, like grabbing stuff, like, and I had a huge, you know, the the uh, PSA box that you yeah. get uppers yeah. in. Um, I had one of those boxes that, like, the upper boxes go in, and I literally had it packed to the brim. And uh, I mean, loaded, like chock full. And uh, I came home one day and it was empty. And my wife was like, oh, trash. I thought it was yeah. all. This it's is like, trash. <laughs> this is trash, oh sir. Oh, my God. I was you like, are, no. You are, you are all trash. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I was like, I'm trying to make gas. And I'm like, I'm going to sound so crazy. She was like, you're making fuel. Oh. All right. Still here. I'm here. Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, I'm here. still here. Right. Cut out for a second. Yeah, I was like, I'm make. She's like, you're making fuel out of trash. Okay, <laughs> moving along. Hey, Matt, I just sent. I just sent you both of those PDFs. Uh, they should be in your inbox right now. Cool. Supposedly, so, uh, you'll be good to go. Somebody said in one of the comments. Somebody said that the book. No, one of those books, it's like uh, like an industry book. It's apparently, one of those books is charged like six hundred dollars. <laughs> Can you believe that? Jeez. I mean, wow. I mean, no, there's no. I, these are educational PDFs yeah. for uh, you know, no monitor. Yeah. yeah, this is a book report yeah. from a freshman at the uh, uh, school hey, of life. All I say is, I, ju I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure these are uh, legitimate PDFs, and if anybody can verify them with me, uh, you know, I'll just be happy to know that they're not pirated. You know, I just need everybody's uh, eyes on them as possible, just to be able to, you know, group verify. Right. <laughs> well. Well, what uh, what is your next topic, Mr. Matt? How about trying to wake people up? Because I believe it's impossible, man. I know. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I try to wake people up all the time. I've had I've had to delete all my social media just in the past few months. I've been spent. I've spent the last year or so trying to educate my peers on concepts such as Agenda Twenty One, Agenda Twenty Thirty, the Clergy Plan, uh, the yeah. World Economic Forum, Great Reset, but nobody wants to hear it. They just want to tell me, call me a crazy conspiracy theorist, and take my meds. Get so, you know. Now, it is it is slowly. Uh, people are waking up, but the danger, the 
the true like the true struggle of it and danger is that there's there's two two big dangers. The first one is just because people become uh, suspicious doesn't mean that they let go of all the things that are wrong, right? Like, it doesn't mean that they take account of like what is uh, untruthful about the way that we are all living, and uh, you know what is uh, unjust about it. They don't want to address that typically. It's usually just like, whose fault is it? And how do I uh, blame them and not change anything about how I'm living? I want to do the same thing and just blame somebody. So that's like the first danger because it leaves people open to be easily redirected into being used. Uh, the second the second major, am I still here? Did I get popped? Yep. Oh, okay. No, you're still here. The, uh, the second danger of it is that, uh, let's see, what the hell is the second? So, so when you're, uh, they, they, people, people are really trained to be a hammer. Like they are, uh, we've been, we've been trained as a world, anyone that's in a first world nation, our model of conflict resolution is killing. So if you're like a police officer, you're, you're like, once things get too complex, it's like, okay, just kill. When you're a soldier, things get too complex, you kill. When you're like, uh, you know, somebody, you know, defending property. Now, I'm not saying these are like easy questions or straightforward or anything, or like you have a lot of options in certain cases. I'm just saying that, like, you know, we're very quick to the uh, kill. Uh, like as as a global society, as first world nations, pretty much all first world nations. And so, because we've been trained that way, we look at things that are facing us now as like the solution is to kill, but that is, it's very dangerous because it is, I mean, aside from the morality of it, right? Aside from that, just from the uh, maneuverability of like, you know, getting to a place where, you know, we can, we can live and have, have something to stand on. We, we jump to that conclusion of uh, force in the back of our minds because we don't recognize that like, we don't have anything to stand on. Like, we're just floating on air. We're extremely vulnerable. In yes. every uh, every way, and so it's not like the thought of like fighting. It should be at the farthest away. I mean, of course, of course, if a threat comes, you're gonna have to figure it out and defend yourself. Like, of course, that. But in terms of like like pulling together as some kind of you know like nation and like you know kicking some ass like that. Like you gotta have. I mean, we don't even have. I mean, people are getting like food delivered to their house that's getting imported from like Mexico and China. You know, like this is not a uh, robust, strong nation that is capable of defending itself. People don't understand that because they haven't they haven't had to answer for the reality of our decisions yet. But if we if we step into conflict, that is exactly what's going to come to the surface. Like purposefully. Hey, Doug, your audio is a little quiet. Okay, uh, is that better? Okay, yeah, sorry, my better. mic was low, uh, hanging down. I guess. I apologize. So, so yeah, we, we can't, we, you know, we, we, the, the, the idea of resistance that people will come to as like a group, a, 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 you know, a national identity, like we need to all get together and defend ourselves. Like, yeah, you do need to defend yourself, but there's a lot of other stuff that we have to do first. And that is like making it so that you can uh, live in the first place. And then you right. can, talk about defense you know and it's like you can't you can't 
skip that. And that's that's like the hardest part for people to understand. I think. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's something else I've been working on actually for the past year or so is trying to increase my uh, independence. You know, I've been I purchased some land and uh, I don't even know what to do with it. Probably plant some fruit trees and build a cabin, but I don't know. Yeah. Just trying to do something to just have a a stronghold where I can go because I can hunt, I can skin deer. I'm not very good with plants. Plants tend to die after I plant them, but uh, I'll figure that out as we go. <laughs> I would recommend. I can help you. I can I, help I, you. I would recommend for plants like the the like the the easy thing to do right off the bat are trees because once they get through the first two years, if they're alive, they're gonna particularly if you do uh, you know like local genetics. And a great way to do that, most most states typically have tree nursery programs through their DNR, which is huh. uh, which is kind of you know it it, it seems like uh, natural and intuitive that you know places should have that, but they've kind of been they've kind of been uh, consolidated into DNR, but they'll typically have the uh, tree nursery and they're going to do local species, and if you live in a you know uh, in the continental United States in the temperate areas, you're going to have like you know, stuff that's local to your uh, latitude and it's going to be selected from local genetics um, from right. DNR. So if you, and, and they're typically, you know, I do it in Missouri. I probably plant about um, pro probably around like 600 trees a year usually is what I do. And they will wow. be, uh, yeah, and they'll be, and they will be, uh, you know, depending on like the high dollar ones would be like 40, 40 cents a tree. The, uh, the cheap ones, some of the cheap ones are 10 cents. So, I mean, you can get, yeah, they're, they're extremely cheap. And so, and they're all, you know, they're typically uh, one year of growth seedlings. And uh, you typically, at least for Missouri, you have to, you got to order them and then, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, you got to order them and then you got to wait like the season. So you order like one season ahead of time and then you wait. And then they, they usually mail them to my house. That's cool, man. Another thing I will add to that is if you go on Craigslist, uh, Facebook, um, or just type in your local area and type in master gardeners, there's a lot of people that are master gardeners that are willing to help you and teach you um, and willing even to come out to your property just to be able to help pass this knowledge on. Because if you look at who the master gardeners are, they're older people and there's not a lot of younger people that are even interested or even take from their knowledge. Uh, another thing is look up heirloom variety plants um, such as tomatoes, peppers, um, you know, onions. It, it doesn't matter. Just heirloom variety plants for your area. And those have the genetics to be able to go without, uh, you know, go through a drought period uh, uh, rainy season, uh, specific soil ge uh, geological mineral content. Um, they do very well and they are pretty much a low to no maintenance plant. Once you put them in the ground and they establish a root zone, they can pretty much start growing and then reseeding themselves um, as the years go on. Uh, and all you have to do is just pick and harvest the, uh, the fruit from there. And they're pretty typically disease and insect resistant for your uh, your area for uh, for tips for like for like uh shorthand tips that are really uh like that i would have wanted to know um when i started the so the the first thing would be uh i would i would if you're going to plant any more than like 20 trees 
I would, which I would recommend. I mean, if you plant, oh, yeah. if you plant 150, you got to think that you're going to have a, a, you know, you're going to have at least like if, if conditions are really poor, you're going to have a 50, 50% survival rate probably through like the first two years in, in poor conditions. Uh, like if you have drought or something that kills a bunch of them, you'll probably at least have like 50% survival. So that's a lot of, if you put in 150, you know, fruit or nut bearing trees, like that's a lot of stuff that's coming your way in a few years. Um, for, for planting, I, I highly recommend investing in a uh, gas auger, um, just like, a, a, you know, a small, you know, I don't know, like 60 or like a 60 cc gas auger. And then, uh, you know, it, it will help you dig. Like get, the first year that I did it, I did everything by hand and I did like 500 trees and uh, or probably more than that. And it was it was kind of. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a lot of time. So the gas auger is going to, like, drop that down and get you a lot more motivated. You'll be a lot more motivated to plant trees. You'll be like, yeah, 200 trees in a day, like, no problem. And then uh, and then uh, the, the other one, thing. That's one good thing about living in Appalachia here. Sorry to interrupt you. That's one good thing about living in Appalachia here. Every, I, I'm, I'm sure I can borrow that from yeah. somebody. Gas yeah. Auger. I'm sure somebody has one. Yeah. 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 It's always good to get open hands. I mean, that can have to labor. The, uh, the other thing I would say – uh, like for, for, for fuel, for energy, for, uh, you know, both, I mean, you can do, you can do torrefaction, which is when you, you just like the paralysis with, with uh, plastic, you take tree, uh, like trees are really good for it. Like a high, a high density tree, like a fuel tree, you, uh, you, you, you know, chop it up, uh, and then you would put it in an airtight vessel and you would, uh, cook the gas out of it. Now that gas, you can further process into like methanol and stuff like that if you want. But the actual, the actual, you know, you're making char and then you can use that like charcoal for cooking, but then you can break it down and you can compress it with a, with like a press and you can turn it into high density fuel chips that then you can run like in standardized squares for heating, which is nice because you can, uh, you can really cut down on the bulk of storage. Now I don't, that's something that I've looked at. I haven't done it yet, um, but it's called torrefaction. What's that? That sounds rather difficult and troublesome. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it might be worth it. Yeah. The uh, now the other the other thing I would say is uh, for field trees, I definitely recommend uh, black locust and hedge or Osage orange, uh, just because their, their fuel content is so high and there's and they're they're dual purpose. You know, of course, for you know fence posts and uh, axe handles and shovel handles. They're, uh, they have a lot of dual purpose, and they, they grow and regenerate and, uh, and, and grow really easily. And then the, other, the only other thing I would recommend, which has uh, been really useful that uh, I would have done sooner if I would have realized it, is uh, if you make for your wood storage area, you, you make it enclosed, and then you put windows on it that are south-facing so the sun comes in because I'm curing wood to – to burning, you know, getting like 14% humidity, which is great for, you know, lighting it up with a match. And I'm getting that in like five months on some strains of wood, whereas it would have taken, you know, over, typically over season. Like usually if you leave it out in the ground for a year, it, like it'll burn, but it's not super, super great. Well, you can get it to that point in five months with a, with a window. That's pretty wild stuff. Yeah, I'm, nice. I'm taking notes here, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that sounds like a lot of work, but I believe I can well, do it. Oh, and then the other thing, the other thing is urea. 
I would definitely recommend urea uh, for fertilizing. If you want to fertilize trees with for nitrogen content, urea has. I'm not talking. I'm not talking urea nitrate. I'm just talking like straight urea. Uh, it's extremely cheap, and you can get it in bulk. And you can, uh, you know, it's got 46% nitrogen, um, so you can throw it down. It'll, uh, you know, absorb immediately. There are ways so you can you can heat. You can. Now this is a little bit more complex, but like after you use urea for a while, you you, you can figure out that you can actually heat it. And urea is a really interesting compound because it'll auto condense under heating conditions. It releases ammonia, and then you're going to get um, like there's ways there's patents where you heat it at a certain temperature, you can convert it into bi urine, which is like a, uh, a condensed form of it, which then has a really interesting property because you can use it as a protein supplement for, for feed. So when you're making like a feed mix, you can throw some, some this urea that you're using for your trees, you can throw it in there to a certain percentage and you can get, you know, you can do a, uh, like a feed supplement or bi urine, tri urine. And then the, the bi urine, you can uh, throw it on the ground and, kill uh weeds and stuff and then it won't break down into its original urea form for about six months so it'll it'll kill uh whatever you throw down on first and then it'll turn into urea so it's just got it's got a ton of uh really useful properties and it's dirt cheap That's nice. great. doug your audio your audio is breaking up just a little bit i don't know if it's because of the burner behind you uh, but we're starting to get a little uh, robot audio out of you just to uh, give you a I appreciate up. all that information, though. I'm taking notes. I'll check on all this stuff here later. Uh, all right. Um, Doug, do you have anything that you want to ask this gentleman before he goes on to his what next What about, uh, about point? the topic, you mean? Uh, anything. What, uh, anything. What do you feel like – what do you feel like is the uh, – like how do you, like in terms of uh, the disposition of people that you come into contact in America, like in your area, how do you feel like they are uh, 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 perceiving like what has taken place here in the world? Like, uh, do you feel like they are underestimating it? Do you feel like they are uh, like confident or, or or overestimating? Or what, what do you? How do you kind of judge people? Uh, the general disposition of the people I know, people I talk to, they disappoint me, really. They vastly underestimate what's happening. Every now and then I'll, I'll catch somebody that seems to understand how our country is being handed over to China, but they, they don't really understand it. They, they don't understand the vaccines and the, the COVID die-off. They don't, they don't really they wear their masks when they're driving down the road. You know? they, they don't really. In the car? They just follow the yeah, yeah, by themselves. They just yeah, that's embarrassing. Yeah, by themselves. Yeah, one person in a car with a mask on all day, every day. Keep them germs off, I guess. <laughs> Pisses me off. Yeah, uh, you wouldn't think it'd be that way out here, but it is. No, I see it. Uh, I see it out here uh, somewhat. I mean, I usually, I think a lot of us people driving through, uh, but yeah, I, I see it out here too. Oh, who we lose? My uh, audio dropped. I was oh, like, "No, he's back." Dark yeah, back. Sorry, I'm back. Yeah, I'm glad you asked, Dugan. I'm glad you no asked. That was kind of my next uh, point here. Is just general. Because yeah, you mentioned people, uh, waking people up, right? Waking people up, and just just taking 
Yeah. yeah they're they're going to ask for a general idea of disposition around people as to what's going on in the world. If they're underestimating it, and if they are underestimating it, they have to try to wake people up. Do Nobody listen to me. Mind if I, 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 oh, sorry. I was going to say, I see... A, uh, I was going to say, I see in my my viewpoint of where I'm at is basically I have two friends that I can, you know, tell you. One of them says, hey, you know what? I'm going to buy all my supplies and all my gear. And when the end of the world happens, if I don't have AC and my amenities, you know, I'm, you know, just take me out now. That's it. The other one says, you know what? I really don't care because it's going to happen whether I try to do something or not. So I'm just going to enjoy, you know, my little slice of life. And then everybody else is in between basically, uh, well, it doesn't affect me. Oh, well, how can this affect me? Oh, it doesn't matter. They don't see the long term. Their eyes aren't open. As long as they have their uh, their minor conveniences and the things to be able to to keep them, you know, calm and happy. Other than that, once those things disappear, then they will be interested in listening or trying to, you know, fight back or whatever it may be. But, you know, these are the people that are going to be easily manipulated whenever things start going really far south with our country. Um, and basically once they go really far south, they're going to look to anybody who claims to be the savior and they're going to fall right in line, whether right or wrong, just because they want to find their normalcy yeah. and get their comfort back. Yeah, exactly. And people are just way too exactly. comfortable. Yeah, they focus on that comfort. Yeah. Most people I know, they just believe whatever the <laughs> Mockingbird media tells them to believe. They doesn't matter if they watch CNN or Fox. I mean, it's just the same talking points, just a different spin on it. They don't really look for their own information they don't try to they don't care what's important or what's real they just care what they're supposed they're to believe what truth. makes them comfortable yeah and it's hard no not at it's all it's hard to uh like yep. people people have a really i mean myself included like i like now i have been i've been hungry before like really hungry but it's usually in like like the hunger that i've been is in like training for the military where they're like purposely starving you and uh, like, like both, both, uh, just going through that in a, in an administrative, you know, it's not even real life, you know, it's like a, it's like a, a forced, a forced thing, uh, like a force. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, uh, the, the amount of change that takes place psychologically is just so, uh, way more intense than what, uh, people understand. Like we're, we're wired to uh need the things that we need and we're providing them now uh so easily without any effort and when it goes away man it is like it is like it was well, just like anything else that you that you underestimate when you don't experience it and then when you actually do experience you're like wow this is way more powerful than you know i could have ever imagined i mean i've seen uh like i, I can remember uh going through uh going through a patrol phase uh like a patrol phase with like you know i mean losing significant amount of weight like losing like 20 pounds like not having any fat on the body and stuff and like uh i can remember like getting so hungry one night that i was like okay i'm gonna patrol my ass all by myself and go find an fmtv here on the base like off the site and fucking get in there and see if there's an mre so like i found one 
got into the uh, the FMTV from like another training unit, got out an MRE, then like heard a sound over my shoulder. I was like, oh fuck! I turned around, and it was it was like uh, like an officer from my same training class, completely on his own, doing the exact same thing. And like we both we both looked at each other, and we both <laughs> like we didn't say anything because we both understood exact wow. exactly what was going on. And then we went we went wow. to this FMTV. Uh, found found a case of MREs, and then we were like, you know, like a couple of like raccoons, just like, okay, here's here's one, here's two, here's two for me. All right, now we're gonna go into the, you know, now we're going into the wood line. We're going no light, you know, we're gonna just use our nods, and then we're just gonna like eat this, and then we'll uh, work our way back. <laughs> I mean, it's just, and that's like, you know, like, I mean, I, I don't, I'd like to consider myself not a scumbag. This this guy definitely wasn't a scumbag. But it's just it's just hard to describe like when you get hungry and that's just hunger, you know, like when we're talking about like thirst, it's even more extreme. When you're talking about um, people that aren't used to that, man, I mean it's just they're really asking to uh, be uh, serving something that they don't want to serve. You know, like they're put they're put into a position where it's gonna be really easy for them to do the bidding of something that they don't want to do. Doug, let me let me bring this up to to you, uh, Dark and Matt. Um, I was looking at this poll, and apparently, the U.S. we have the most obese homeless people uh, in the world, which I thought was kind of humorous in, in that fact. But also, uh, with the amount of lack of business in New York, uh, lack of people, lack of trash, garbage going on because everything's been shut down. The squirrels are attacking people, and the rats are eating pigeons Jesus. again. <laughs> yeah, literally, rats rats acting like freaking predators going out there and attacking a pigeon. It's intense, man. Yeah, I have no idea about that. That's just crazy. That's just not The rats, I mean, rats, rats can get out of control. You know, like, yeah, that have, little... uh, World War One had a lot of rats. They had a ton. They had a huge rat problems um it was uh one of the carriers when they had uh uh i think i'm pretty sure that they were having a disease like being carried by the rats because they had so many it was a, a hygiene issue uh wasn't uh that related to the spanish flu or bubonic plague, something along those lines, with the amount of rats and uh, and bodies. Well, I'll, I'll jump in real quick and, oh, and we say, just like, lost you know, your, your for comment a second. about uh, you know the most obese, homeless, uh, or vagrant rate. Like uh, a double cheeseburger at McDonald's costs like a dollar and five cents, right? Like we we the you know our country has been given this you know options of like you said comfort and convenience and. You know, we're given plastic food from McDonald's, uh, you know, to uh, just the most disgusting shit for a dollar and five cents. So I, I, I believe it. Speaking of plastic foods, I wonder if you could put a whole bunch of McDonald's <laughs> cheeseburgers in the fry. You probably chicken and be able to get be able to get fuel from it. I bet like you could. Chicken nuggets that came out the other side. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Matt. Uh, 
are, is there anything else on your list that you want to discuss, ask, or bring up? Oh Lord, it's uh, been a pretty good show so far. Uh, hmm. 3D printing. I love the Cody Wilson podcast. It's pretty awesome. 3D printing something I've been about. Yeah. Oh, oh shit. That's the Sorry. HM Warthog engine right there. I felt the heat off that. Yeah. yeah the 3D printing's been interested too. I've been interested in that for a long time. I've, I've been thinking about investing in a 3D printing rig. I don't know how useful yeah. that would be in the in the coming times, um, you know. No, no guarantee you know, of what we're going to have. You know what they're probably most useful for, in my opinion, is uh, making forms or, you know, like molds for, uh, for you know, metal porn. Um, because you can, uh, at least, at least you know, as they are being 3D printers that take uh, nylon and PLA, I mean, it is, you know, the, the particularly like nylon, if you do like a, like a heat, like a like an enclosure on it, so that the air temp gets higher, and then you print nylon. That can be really useful because it's it's uh, mm-hmm. it's good for like direct use for a lot of stuff. But in terms of, you talking like green sand for like a positive do yeah yeah for like resin for like resin for, casting, uh, green energy. sand casting for aluminum, uh, copper, you know, iron, Land. brass, steel. All that stuff. I mean, really, I mean, if you have like an induction furnace, you could do stainless even. I mean, you could do a lot of stuff, but you can, you can, uh, you know, you can, you can use uh, free, you know, blender or, I mean, blender's kind of a steep learning curve at first, but once you learn the, uh, yeah. I know so if you, if you do blender, you get your 3D printer. I mean, you're good to go because now you have, you have free software forever because if you download it, you've got it. And then you, uh, you uh, get your um, your encoder with it, and then you're gonna throw it on an SD card, throw it in your printer, and you can print print any shape and the geometries. You can just get really crazy on the geometries, you know, because you're pouring. Yep, I've used Blender for a while. I use it to make video games and stuff. I just get disappointed with the crap they try to sell it, so I make my own games. Blender is one of the yeah. good game making programs. So. Uh, I didn't know you could integrate yeah, Blender with do, 3D uh, printing. You can do CAD on it. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Hmm. So Blender yeah, is a one-stop shop kind of, shop it's kind for, of intense. Uh, software application. <laughs> uh, like, yes, it yeah, took me like five years to figure it yeah, out. But yeah. The, uh, I mean, a, a real straightforward one is SolidWorks. And I will, I will say anybody that's, particularly if you're a military veteran, SolidWorks, if you email them, you have to email them or call, or, uh, I don't think you can call them, but you can email them and they have a, a veteran discount that's really, really steep. Like it's a heavy, heavy discount. So you get it for, I mean, I don't want to quote it because I don't know what it is. I haven't uh, done it in a little bit, but uh, it used to be 20 bucks. You could get, uh, or thereabouts, you could get uh, SolidWorks. Yeah, I'll just throw this out there too that, uh, you know, I've been looking at getting a, uh, a printer myself, and um, I have a link currently where a Creality Indoor 3 uh, is $157. Would yes, that be good enough to do deal. what needs to be done? Yes. Could you really do anything yeah. with that? Yeah, okay. Because I've looked you, at a few printers you, online, but... Yeah, you should... You, you could probably... Yeah, I mean, you should be able to do... skilled, obviously, so you could... It. You could probably build your own pretty easily. I mean, you can. Uh, 
I mean, you can get some like, uh, uh, like 30 mil, you know, 30 mil rails, like cheap 30 mil aluminum rails and, uh, some steel parts or, I mean, heck you could even, you could really, I mean, you could even weld a frame out of like black pipe, you know, and it would be like pretty solid and you'd have, you'd have to figure out all your, uh, how you're going to attach all your worm gears and stuff. But like the, uh, the actual guts of the kit that, that, you know, uses a couple of, uh, stop switches, um, and then you've got your, your printing head and then your, um, like your, your, you know, controller, like your computer unit. And then, you know, yeah. your, your files are usually separate from, uh, onboard memory. You usually just put in like an SD card and they're usually, I mean, it's pretty, uh, you know, I'm st- I still use a kit cause I just built one and then never mess with it again. But if I was going to do it again, I think, I think I'd probably just build huh. it from scrap. Dude. Huh, I may think about that. I never thought about building one from scrap. Go ahead. I've I've been seeing people using like uh Adreno uh sard uh hardware and uh modules and stuff to be able to make their own three D printers and you know, uh you find a couple of uh broken uh printers on the side of the road and you know those warm gears tracks and stuff can easily be uh salvaged out of them to be able to yeah, you'll, go forth and uh, you'll definitely get your uh your limit uh, switches there there are so many i mean i i pulled some uh printers apart uh like copy machines like uh man there's probably like a good 20 20 limit switches in each copy machine bro I have a few Raspberry Pis laying oh, around. Good, I'm sure yeah. I can use those. I literally would like go to Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. steal that machine with the uh, the claw in it, and make a <laughs> massive 3D printer. <laughs> and <laughs> dude, that's actually dude. now that I'm actually thinking through that, it's not a bad idea. But um... dude, that would work. <laughs> the claw yeah. machine is gonna reproduce. Hey, like yeah, you're, robots, uh, bro. your bro. Your plate, you're you know, like the, the print plate uh, work <laughs> surface. So they're usually pretty limited. You could seriously, I mean, you could you could get a, uh, um, for instance, like if you if you look at it like it's not a product, and you just think about like what is mechanically and physically going on here. You could just get like uh, you know, uh, I don't know, half inch thick billet aluminum like a like just like a block of uh 60 series aluminum drill it run some uh heating element through it run that to uh like a pid with like a uh like a external you know just like a uh, a pwm switch uh rob and then put that through like an ssr relay and then just wire that up and that would be like your entire heating yeah. service then you can make it any size that you want and then the only thing that you have to match up is like of course your worm gears have to be long enough to cover that whole service, but I mean, theoretically, you can make a 3D printer that was like the size of a table, you know. But they don't they don't make them like that typically, and if they did, they'd be really expensive. But if you get creative and you're just like uh, drilling into some aluminum and then just throwing some, uh, you know, some some heating heating mantle material in there and then controlling it yourself, I mean, you could get really creative. I gotta say one thing. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. That sounds possible. Well, I was just gonna say one thing that I'm ahead, excited about is, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys remember like a decade ago how expensive 3D printers were. I mean, they they were you know two grand or more, and you know now the ability to buy something like a uh, 
the indoor three for you know 150 160 like that's that's epic right and uh i was looking into uh, a lot of the uh um like sig for an example started making cans uh, out of inconel and steel that are compound built which is you know they're printed and uh, they do it with machines that are almost identical to um 3d printers but obviously they're using metal you know they um and i started looking into it and they're five grand like you can buy one right now that prints inconel and steel for five thousand dollars so although i am not too excited for our future that is one thing that i could see you know being a uh benefit Yeah, or you could. The uh, one thing I will say you know, with like the inconel, um, especially like a can, like a fluidity can, you could definitely cast a can. I mean, it's yeah. it's your setup for your your you know you have a, a hole through the entire thing, so you could you know you could definitely balance an internal uh, like a core and then an it's outer shell and then pour into it. Yeah, yeah, it'd be all mono, but you have you have like yeah. full a full uh, access on? to the to that entire bore axis and a. And it can, so that's like a fully uh, castable part. Yes. I don't know if Dugan... I believe hey, so. to cut some people. For... Dugan, can you hear Cliff okay. right now? Okay. Um, no. Yeah. No, it's I know fine. you guys got Vince, though. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to invest in some 3D printing hardware after yeah. I get this paralysis thing figured out. <laughs> No, I can't, I can't I, hear Cliff. I knew, I knew okay, Inconel was right a now. legitimate have... uh, setup. When I... Oh. I I was going to say I knew Inconel was a legitimate setup when uh, I started seeing them building turbo manifolds uh, for 1,000-plus yeah, yeah. horsepower yeah, cars pretty, uh, using uh, the Inconel pretty, printers. Uh, tough shit. I mean, Inconel is... Uh... I'm looking at a lot of the cans that came out for the new like six eight, um, you know, military stuff, and uh, it, it's pretty insane, man. Um, Dugan, you may want to back out and jump right back in just to make sure um, you can hear yeah. everyone, because if Cliff backs out, then everything ends. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Mr. Matt, uh, <laughs> we what, shut what down. Else, uh, is on your mind? <laughs> what else would you like to discuss? Lord have mercy. I don't know, man. I think we've talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about paralysis and martial arts and 3D printing and trying to wake people up. Yeah. And fighting. Yeah, I hear you. Punch in the face. Beautiful. <laughs> Dugan, can you hear me now? All right. Um, we're, we're, I, we might be coming to the end. Um, so what do you want to talk about? What do you want to express to mr matt or you well, know, i i'm really i'm really it. happy that um, um and i'll you know, let you fire off now, like the, the best thing that people in general can do is uh is uh, like hands-on stuff like start uh doing things in reality and learning all of the failure experiences needed to uh actually you know under like learn something for to to use it for yourself and to have it forever be able to teach it to your next generation and uh, we have to start doing it to uh, have any kind of future. And so, like, it's uh, it's great talking to somebody that is uh, already, you know, familiar with that kind of way, you know. And uh, uh, I hope 
you know, I think if there's any frustration of mine over like the last year is just feeling like, you know, uh, man, like I, I wish people could be jolted enough to understand that they have to act for themselves because it's like, I can't, I can't do it for them. And so it's really nice to, to it's really nice to hear somebody, uh, yeah. hear about somebody's experience and, uh, like, uh, uh, taking action. Yeah. Taking action and, and making something for themselves that is going to be, you know, like you're doing paralysis at home. Like when you figure that out, you're going to have that forever and you're going to know all the shortcuts and you're going to make your own shortcuts because it's not even that developed of a field. So I'm sure that it, once you do it, you're going to learn stuff that they don't even know in industry. And then you're going to be able to pass that to anybody that you want to. And it will, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a great thing. It really uh, liberates uh, people, you know, so it's just, it's very cool. Yeah, it, uh, it, it saddens me sometimes to see how helpless people are. You know, I see somebody on the side of the road with a flat tire. I'm like, why don't you just plug it and pump yeah. it up? You know, they, they'll call a tow truck. I'm like, Jesus. That's how they've you know, been it's, programmed. It, it's it, so sad. Yeah, they, they have these pathologies hardwired into just, you know, call somebody to help and pay them. You know, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So if you don't have to do it, you can, that's you can how fix yourself. The fix have been yourself. programmed to, you know? you know, be helpless. And that's yep. by design. Now, uh, now, what Dugan was saying about the whole he's happy to have a guest on like this, and this is one of the things that I was telling Dugan, he's a little far removed because all he sees is the chat and he can't hear the things that, you know, that he said that it's actually influenced people. <laughs> and, you know, to be able to, you know, to, to hopefully reinvigorate him. And, you know, I know he's been uh, he's been hearing it from a few people that have been guests so far, you know, that the message is not going on deaf ears and people are actually out there doing. And, you know, you you end up becoming confined in your own little bubble, just like everybody else out there. And just know that there's other people out there that are, you know, taking the message, learning and doing for themselves and also trying to help and teach other people around them. And this is this is what our goal here at Darklight Dugan is, is literally pass out the information and show you're not alone. Show that, you know, there's other people out there trying and doing and failing and fail as much as you can, because the more you fail, the better you become in whatever specific skill or trade or ability you're trying to achieve. You know, that yeah. that's what we're well, here to and do. I think we're here to fail and figure of, out. You know, the character of certain individuals that take action, they usually don't jump in and and run their mouth about it. You know, there's there's those that talk and those that do. So uh, I admire what you've done so far and what you're going to do. And one of the things that we've talked about is, you know, the people like you become the ambassadors of, you know, our podcast. And you get to go share keep You get to keep it for yourself forever. Like Dugan said earlier, you get to develop it. You get to get the shortcuts, the cheat codes, and you know now you get to pass that on to uh, you know others and contribute to their lives. So good for you. I do. I do, I do enjoy teaching, and anybody's willing to listen. Most people don't willing best, to listen to anything. Best, best way to show to show somebody <laughs> that it's like uh, it, it. You know, the language language is so limited. 
and what we can convey. And there's so much lies. Like most of most of the yeah. consumption of uh, like communication is in media, and it's and it's all lies. So it's like people get uh, they kind of get like a like a hard skin on their heart about uh, like uh, you know for their and not for their own benefit. Where it's like they can't distinguish between like what's valuable and what's not. And then, they, and then it ends up being like, where's the money? Like, who, who's got the money? How do I get the money? Money, money, money. And uh, they don't, you know, they, when they're looking that way, they're looking down a path that prevents them from seeing all these other paths that they could be taking if they would just have their head on a swivel looking around. You know? Dude, can right. you just yeah, remind me of that. something? And, and this addresses, uh, Mr. Matt, something that you brought up which I think could be potentially helpful. I hope um, you mentioned uh, about like waking others up. Right. And like Dugan just mentioned showing them. And I think something that that's been helpful that we've discussed here before is, um, you know, most people, they, they're, you know, living that we joke about it, like the, the Amazon Starbucks life, right? Like, you know, they uh, are listening to the MSM. They're getting little snippets of information, memes, and then they're making, you know, decisions of their morals based on these quick little like snippets. So one thing that you could do is, uh, and yeah. you know, potentially having a conversation with someone or people is, um, uh, and Dugan brought this up initially, meet them where they are and find the point where they push back. And the best way to do that is to, um, it's called the Socratic method where you ask questions uh, based on their beliefs or, or viewpoint, and they have to rationalize their uh, belief out loud. And a lot of times when people do that, they start to rethink their own position because the shit that they're saying usually doesn't make any fucking sense anyway. <laughs> right. And then the moment you get to that point where they push back, like, whoa, world government no or well the two-party system isn't real well you know whatever that point is you know walking them from there beyond it and then just asking questions to create enough doubt for them to do some research yeah the, you uh, know, just sparking curiosity that's totally true and it and it is the like i think i think that this huh. is the you know what you what you're kind of describing that catharsis is the real center I mean, it is, it is center stage, absolutely the focus of everything in the world right now is like that catharsis of like there is world government. And, uh, you know, it's everywhere in the world. It's in every, every nation, every first world, third world nation, like everywhere in the world. This, this is like really the only burning topic that is at the center of everybody's suffering and everyone's, uh, you know, <laughs> like everything mundane that they're having to like grind through every single day. This is at the, their, their dissatisfaction. This is at the absolute center of it. And it's also held, held, it's like, it's too close to touch. Uh, and, uh, and so it's held away from, uh, that, the, the, the coming catharsis, but it will come one way or another. So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting that you say that because it's, uh, that's kind of like the approach of like how, an individual like one person can uh, begin to approach it because it's very intimidating. It's easy. It's easy to say that everything's conspiracy. It's, it's hard when you start to not be able to uh, 
account and rationalize things and draw logical extensions and say, well, you know, if X is true, then, you know, Y is a possibility. And uh, when, when people can be brought to that, it, 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 it allows them to get into a position where they don't have to go through shock treatment under the physical pressures that are going to be coming later. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, I have a few relatives who want to leave the country and take me with them. They say, hey, we gotta got to get out of this America here. It's, it, they're, gonna, they're taking over, New World Order. I, I try to tell them it's, yeah. it's going to yeah. be yeah. wherever you go. You can't run from there. Yeah, new, <laughs> the new world. Exactly. What part of the world don't you understand? Yeah, you can't go to Central America or Europe. It's it's even worse in Europe. You know, you can't run from this. Well, you, I you think got to prepare yourself and you... prep and just get ready and learn. Hey, what if what if we were all to come together For and real. just go to Afghanistan? The, the farthest places, saying, you know, we might. Sorry, have a the farthest places are uh, <laughs> like uh, if you go up into like northern the northernmost. Um, lands in Canada where there are, you know, it's, you're basically past where trees go, grow. Um, like in those places. Yeah. Like, like up in those really like, uh, like in like none of it and stuff, there's, uh, you know, there, there's no Google maps there. None so that's it. like a real good, you know, or there are Google maps. They're very low rent. They're like, here's a block. Here's another block. So you know that that's, that's like, that's like the extent of the domain but the financial side is under control. So it's like, even though they don't have eyes in the sky there all the time, they've got uh, all the accounting books and uh, man, it's just the, the future is very, uh, you know, we have to, as humanity, we have to start uh, kind of uh, taking some medicine here and uh, like, uh, you know, rationalizing reality in whatever way we can, as long as it's, you know, you know, true in terms of how it affects us, we, we have to come to because uh, I mean, there's there's just so much that's changing. I was watching a uh, uh, I, I've noticed like the 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 way that war and uh, the 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 technology of war has progressed is Okay, how about now? Is this any better? Okay, you're breaking so, the, up so really one of the bad. things is uh, that that's kind of alarming is the okay, you're the now. technology yeah. and the and the methods of how war fighting has changed in the last ten years, and people are uh, like the the general public is has not come to grips with this, and so they don't fully understand it. But like a really good example would be like the current conflict in uh, in, in uh, Azerbaijan where you have like the Armenian and Azerbaijanis fighting the, uh, I mean, there's like, they're, they're using drones that are so, uh, accurate that they're able to drop, uh, ordnance into like three, three holes, you know, like, like fighting holes and drop ordnance directly in it. And their drones are so high that you can't like the people on the ground can't detect them. So like they're unaware that, uh, you know, that there is a drone firing a piece of ordnance at them. And there are large, large numbers of fighters this way. So this is like a, uh, a very, you know, it's a very grim prospect for like yeah. the future conflict that's coming, especially for the people that don't understand the stakes of it and uh, are going to try to fight it conventionally like, like these guys are. 
and they're just going to, you know, they, they don't understand that you can have five guys on uh, computer sets with like, uh, you know, 20 drones and then be flying them all over and dropping ordnance and killing like hundreds of people, you know? So it's a very, uh, it's a very uh, exponential force multiplier and, uh, and very scary prospect because there's just not, you know, there's, there's the, the, probably the most, the most um, serious aspect of it for the United States at least and for any first world nation is that we're all uh, slotted in our map datums on like our location, like where we live. So, you know, there's like, there's no escape. So it, it really, you know, like we really need to have a, uh, a uh, awakening of people to, to understand both that this ain't, we, we're not in Kansas anymore, number one. And number two, the old tools are not going to work. Like we have to start coming up with some new stuff and it, brute force is not going to work because uh, there are a lot of aces uh, up to sleep against us. I see why you're so adamant about yeah. waking people up now. That's just the, the only, only way to survive this. It requires the, the only it's thing that world way. government needs to exist is people to rule over. And if it has nobody to rule over, then it can't exist. And so it, it requires that. And so the, the only way to do is for people to at least understand what is going on and uh, understand the scope and the uh, seriousness of it before they can make any kind of rational decision of like what to do because there's no rule book here or uh, you know it, like reality is just on the switch is on and uh, this train doesn't stop. Whew. Yeah, I bought some land not long ago, thinking I was going to buy a cabin and live off the woods, all Ted Kaczynski style. Now, but that's not. If you had ten thousand, if you had ten thousand other people enough. around you doing all the same thing, <laughs> you know, that's a lot of people to drop ordinance into the holes on. You know, but it's got to be a lot of people. You know, like you got to have, you got to have to like understand that we need to change the way that we live so that uh, humanity can live and be free. You know, and uh, have some kind of decency because this, you know, despite all this yeah. endless progression and technology, it's like we're we're certainly no more decent than we've ever been as as men. You know. I know this world's going going to hell quick. I don't know what to do about it. I try to wake people up, but I like what Dark said about uh, employing the Socratic method. You got to do something to help people identify their pathologies. And help yeah. them work through it. But uh, I'm, well, I'm not so skilled at that, that, I suppose. All you're doing is asking questions, right? Like the best conversation is you speaking 30% and then speaking 70%, right? Like I'll tell you, one, one, of, the, one um, of the biggest situations like that changed the way I look at life completely was uh, like, I, so I voted for Obama in his first term, okay? Yeah, I, like that's uh, and that, that's actually <laughs> good to hear. I'm you know about the transformation because that says a lot about you know an open mind. But I had um, a uh, current business owner, conservative Republican, which I didn't know, I didn't understand politics as much at the time, come up to me, and uh, around that same time, I voted for Obama, and um, he asked me a question about my stance on gay marriage, and uh, I was like. 
I don't really care. You know, it doesn't bother me either way. And uh, he started really pressing me to explain how I came up to that conclusion and got me like a little bit heated. Right. And I, oh. I was just like, cause I, cause I don't care. Cause, cause I'm not gay. And he was like, okay, well tell me, what do you think about pedophilia? And I was like, Oh my God, like it, it's wrong. It's wrong. And I had, I had to rationalize my position on gay marriage and pedophilia. And it's, there are things that, that, you know, the, the Bible that I said that, that I was living by both say are wrong, but I was looking away from another. And I realized that it was essentially because I was told to by the majority, right? Like if it, and, and it, it made me right. it just clicked like, holy shit, that those weren't my thoughts. Like those were thoughts that were projected by, you know, media. and that's when, when shit really changed for me. Yes. And I didn't even know. Right. So when I see the same thing happening in not only, you know, other people, but other people that I love, like that's, that's a challenging thing to, uh, yeah, to go through. And, uh, so I feel for you, but, um, all you're doing is asking questions they're the ones that have to bring the answers. That, that's interesting. Yeah, I'll have to try harder, man. I'll have to try harder. Because I've, I've, I've felt defeated. I felt def- completely defeated here recently. I've had to delete social media and just try to stay away from people. But well, I think I'll have to reverse that, I guess. I feel like I was in, getting through to some people. But if you ju- and I've done this too before, much too, right? Because I, I, I believe in it. You know, if I jump in and go with the whole world government and you know bodies in the street and you know people are gonna like like you said they're gonna be like yo man mark is you know like dugan's <laughs> gone like you know like he's i he's go hard in the paint i go a little hard <laughs> in the paint sometimes yeah like it, it's, it's almost <laughs> like a joke right like we believe this right like you know like I've, a lot of people like are like Yo, Dugan, Dugan's gone. Like he lost his mind. You know, Dark is gone. He's like, so you know, we've all been there. But all you gotta do is ask questions. Well, sounds like a plan. Well, uh, well, you have. It's a about my bedtime. Uh, and uh, oh, it sounds like oh, so Cliff's audio is out. So. Uh, I'll jump in uh, just really quickly um, to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Rage Shadow. Just kidding. Um, That uh, we give Uh every single guest the distinct honor of being able to name the episode. So, Mr. Matt, um, on the spot, what would you like to name this podcast episode? Just off the head. Just whatever comes to mind. Uh... Not to be romantic. Hmm. There you go. Hillbilly talk. Hillbilly talk. I like it. <laughs> uh, Dugan, I wanted to tell you something. Uh, a lot of people love you, man, and a lot of people really appreciate the message you put out. I know I do. I've learned a lot from you. and uh, I thank you so much. You I love up, you, man. too. I look forward to hearing some music here sometime soon, too. All right, y'all. Thank you. I know, All right. uh, you know, Cliff um, got cut out, but uh, I know he's he's really grateful. Uh, he read me your bio weeks ago and was stoked about having you on. So thank you, gentlemen. Thank you both. <laughs> and uh, y'all have a uh, 
an excellent evening. Take care. All right, take care, fellas. Thank you, guys. You too.